sometimes what we want is comfort, but what we really need is some courage. And sometimes what we want is a little bit of sympathy, but what we need is some strength. And sometimes if we're honest, what we want is, uh, is for some people to feel sorry for us. But what we really need is, is for some people to challenge us. And when we're tired and, and we're, we're, we feel like quitting, what we want oftentimes is for the coach to come alongside us and say, you know, why don't you just take a seat on the bench? You look tired. You look exhausted. Why don't you just sit over here, take a break, take a rest? And what we need is, is maybe for the coach to say, no, the game's not over yet. I know you're tired and I know you've been playing hard. I know you've been working hard, but the game's not over yet. Get back in there. Don't quit. Don't give up. Or the analogy I made last week, sometimes what we often want is, is Mr. Rogers in a sweater jacket putting his arm around us saying everything's going to be okay, when maybe what we need a little bit more than that is William Wallace, you know, with a painted face and a strong voice saying, fight to the end, don't give up. We are in week two of a series called Fixed, in which we're walking through the verses that Andrew just read, and key phrase that comes out of that, those verses is fix your eyes on Jesus. And so that's kind of the, the theme or the, the mantra for this, this series. It tells us that's, that's what you do. Fix your eyes on Jesus so that, so that we won't grow weary, so that we won't lose heart, so that we, we don't give up. And, and so when you're tired and, and you feel like giving up and you feel like giving in, turn your focus to Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. Because, and this is the argument that the Hebrew writer is going to make. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is superior. That's really the theme. If you want to pick a theme of the book of Hebrews, Jesus is supreme. Jesus is superior. Maybe another way of saying that, simpler terms, Jesus is better. Jesus is just better. He, he's better than anything and everything you can stack up against him. He's, he's better than, than what you're dealing with or any situation or challenge that you're facing. Jesus is better. That word better or superior is used about 15 times in the book of Hebrews. And so the Hebrew writer is just underlining that again and again because a confidence in the superiority of Jesus Christ, a knowledge that he is better, is what gives us courage. And while we may want or think we need comfort, what we often need more than comfort is some courage and some strength. That was true for the first Christians or those Christians first-generation Christians that were reading this, this book of Hebrews, this letter of Hebrews, most of them would have been Jewish Christians, and they started off the Christian race with some determination. They started off with some excitement. I think we can relate to that, right? You, you become a Christian, you first give your life to Jesus Christ, and there's a fire, there's an excitement, and then life happens, right? And that's what happened for them. Life happened for them they started dealing with some persecution and some opposition for their faith in Jesus, and, and many of them grew tired, and they lost heart. It was hard to keep going. And so the Hebrew writer wants to fill them with courage by telling them, look, Jesus is worth it. That's what some of you need to hear. Jesus is worth it because Jesus is he's just better. 
He's just better. And so you go through the book of Hebrews and it's just it's thing after thing. You can make a list of all the things that Jesus is better than. Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than the law. Jesus is better than traditions. Jesus is better than um, the, the, the old law and the old sacrificial um, system and the Levitical system and, and, and then the high priest. He's better than, than all those other high priests. He's better than the old covenant. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is just better. Like you pick it up, you know, Fill in the blank. Jesus is better than, yes, he's better than. Jesus is just better. And so no matter what it is, no matter what you're going through or what you're facing or how overwhelming the situation, Jesus is better. And so fix your eyes on him and run the race. Fix your eyes on him and don't give up and don't quit. And so in this series, that's kind of what we're focusing on. And we're walking through those first three verses that Andrew read from Hebrews chapter 12. And we're just kind of using that as a springboard to look at some bigger themes, walking through those verses, but using that as a springboard to look at some bigger themes in Hebrews. And so last week, we talked about the idea of one of the things that the, the Hebrew writer says when it comes to growing weary and losing heart, one of the things that we can do is to stop and, and remember the witnesses. You know, remember that you are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. I like how one person put it. They said, you have a cheering section. Isn't that neat to think about? You, you have a cheering section. And there's some, something powerful. I, I remember I haven't ever ran a marathon, um, but I, I ran like a 5K and, 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 and you get to the end and everybody's cheering you on. And it's just, it's, there's something exhilarating about that. You have a cheering section. All these heroes of the faith that have gone before and have run the race and finished the race, their stories, their, their testimonies speak courage and strength into, into your story, into my story. And they're saying to us, we did it. You can do it too. And, you know, we live this out. We walk this out. Now, now it's your turn to walk it out. So get back up. I know you're tired. I know you're weary, but don't the race with perseverance. That's what we talked about last week. And then this week, we're going to talk about just the kind of idea of, of throwing off the weight. That's what the Hebrew writer is going to go on to talk about in the latter half of verse one, throw off the, re- the weight. He says specifically, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. First off, I, I want to draw your attention to, we'll get to the other couple things in just a minute, but that, that verb throw off, it's kind of a compound verb or compound word in, in the Greek. It's um, two Greek words that are put together, literally translated, set it aside and push it away. This is what you're to do with these things. They, they, these weight, they need to be pushed off, set aside and, and, and pushed out of the way so that what has been tripping you up won't keep tripping you up, right? I, I've been thinking about, we were uh, I wasn't watching it, but it was on in our house, and, and there were females watching it. The, the, the movie Freaky Friday, you ever seen that? And, and I was thinking about this, like the girl's room is just a mess. I'm, it probably speaks for every teenager just about. Um, the idea here is not throw it off as in like throw it on the floor, but you, you actually get it out of the way, right? So that you can, you can walk, so that you can live, so that you're not surrounded by junk so that the same stuff that's been tripping you up doesn't keep tripping you up. You, you move the Lego out of the floor so that you don't step on it in the middle of the night, right? You get it out of the way, set it aside, and, and push it out of reach. Or maybe this hits a, a better nerve, like the bowl of candy or the box of donuts 
or, or whatever your weakness is. You, sometimes you got to set it aside and push it out of the way because you don't want to keep getting tripped up by the same stuff. You don't want to keep being weighed down by the same things. And yet, for a lot of us in our, in our walk with Christ, in, in this, this Christian race that we're running, that's the story. You know, we, we haven't made much progress. It looks the same as it did however many weeks, years, months, because it's the same stuff. It's the same sin. It's the same struggle. It's the same weight that just keeps holding us down. And you just need to set it aside and push it out of the way. Now, I know that sounds simple, right? And it is simple. That's one of the things that sometimes we make this so much more complicated than it, than it has to be. Now, I'm not saying it's easy, Things can be simple and not easy. It's simple, it's not easy. But sometimes that's what we need to do. We need to set it aside and push it out of the way. And the Hebrew writer identifies two categories in particular that we need to throw off, things that we need to set aside and push out of the way. The first one, if you're taking notes, he says, throw off everything that hinders. Probably shouldn't be hard to fill in the second one because I made it easy for you. But the first one is everything that hinders. Let me ask you, how much of what hinders? everything that hinders. Some of what hinders, most of what hinders, no, everything that hinders. That, that word hinders is actually a noun that means weight or burden. One translation, I like how it puts it, let us throw off every weight that slows us down. If you're in a race, especially one that's long and difficult. There may be some weights that you can kind of bear for a little bit, right? Maybe a lap or two, you can survive a little bit of extra weight. But after enough time, no matter how optimistic you are, no matter how determined you are, any weight is gonna slow you down. I was reading a book not too long ago that was talking about running and, and, uh, and shoes and, and just the, the effects, the cumulative effect they talked about it as far as taking off, but I'll, I'll use it in, in the frame of putting it on. But they talked about the, the effect of just one ounce, one ounce on a shoe, on a pair of running shoes. So if you, you, if you take off, right, in this case, I'm going to say add on. If you add on one ounce onto a pair of running shoes over the course of a mile, it adds up to 55 pounds. So you take the average male stride, and you add that up over the course of a mile, it's about 880 steps, and it equals, you can do the math, it equals like 55 pounds right on the button. One ounce, right? And, and, and one ounce isn't a whole lot, but, but you add that up over a mile, then you think about over the course of many miles, and how many, how many pounds are we are we adding on? And that's just the, the nature of weight, right? It doesn't seem like a whole lot at the time, but over the course of time, it, it ends up being more than you can handle. The longer you carry it, the heavier it feels. And so the Hebrew writer says, set aside, again, everything that hinders. I, I think that's, that's maybe into that too much this morning, but maybe that's part of the problem is like we, we just set aside some things that hinder and we don't set aside everything that hinders. Now, what hinders me may not hinder you, right? And what hinders you may not hinder me. I also think it's interesting the Hebrew writer isn't talking about sin 
yet here. He, he, he'll address that in just a moment. Rather, I think part of what he's talking about here is the things that aren't necessarily sin, but that still keep tripping us up. Like there's a lot of things in your life and in my life that aren't necessarily sin, but they trip us up and they keep us, they hinder us from walking out the life of faith that God has called us to. And so I just thought of a couple of different things, just easy, simple things. These aren't in your notes, but like for instance, money and stuff. Like money and stuff can be a weight that holds us down. Now, money and stuff and things, there's nothing inherently wrong with having money. The Bible never says that money is the root of all evil. What does it say? The love of money, the pursuit of money, that money as is the goal, stuff is the goal, that, that, that stuff is the prize. That's, that's when it becomes a weight. Or you think about just our own comforts and conveniences, Right? We live in a world where, in a culture where it's like, well, I've, I've got I've to have my hobbies and I've got to have my, my, my things that I, and those things, take, those things take precedence. And so we'll involve ourselves in any number of different things, and they're not inherently bad or evil in and of themselves. Not, some of them are. But when they take precedence over seeking first the kingdom, when they, when they take precedence over fixing our eyes on Jesus, when they take precedence over us running the race that God has called us to, then they become weights that, that slow us down. I've talked with several people, and I haven't had this exact question asked a whole bunch of times, but I, I've had this question asked before, um, and maybe you've asked it before, but, but some people ask something along these lines. As a Christian, can I do this? Right? Am I allowed to do this as a Christian, or, or, or can I do that as a Christian? Honestly, I think that question a lot of times comes from a place where we just want to justify what we're doing. I, I want to I be able to do what I want to do. But really, that's the wrong question anyways, regardless of the motivation. That's the wrong question. The, the question isn't, can I do this? The question is, is it going to help me run the race? Think about the things in your life. Is it helping you run the race and fix your eyes on Jesus or not? I know it's not always that simple, but a lot of times it is. Is it helping me run the race or not? And so there's a lot of things that aren't necessarily sinful, but they, they take our eyes off of Jesus and they hold us back from running the race. But in particular, let me just give you three weights that I think are common weights that I think tend to hold us back. Uh, the first one I would just say is the weight of life. Anybody feel the weight of life just in general? Stress pressure, anxiety, what does tomorrow hold? And it slows us down from running the race that God has called us to run. Jesus kind of talks about this in Matthew chapter 13, where he speaks of the worries and the pressures of life choking out the work of faith. It's like running a race with a bad case of asthma. And you, you may be determined, you may you, you may really want to do it, but how do you run when you can't breathe? And, and so I was thinking about it, you know, maybe for some of us, this, this weight of life, you can kind of picture it in one, one uh, aspect of like a 45-pound weight at the gym. You, you, you go to the gym and you have the bar that you can put the weight on and just a 45-pound weight at the gym. So the biggest plate that you've got gets put on the bar of life, the bar of, of your life. And, and that can feel overwhelming. 
and, and maybe that's where some of you are. You, you were running the race, and you were feeling good. You became a Christian. You're feeling good, and then life hands you a 45-pound weight and says, keep running. Oh, that's hard. That, that's not easy to do. And, and even sitting here this morning, you know, maybe your mind is on a mortgage that you are struggling to pay because you don't have a steady income or you're, you're not sure about the job situation or your mind is on a biopsy or a test result or, or, or some scan that is a little bit disconcerting or your mind's thinking about a child who's, you're just watching self-destruct or your mind is on a marriage that, that isn't what you thought it would be and it's, weight, a huge weight. For others, maybe, maybe it's not like the big 45 pound weight, but maybe it's just like a whole bunch of five and 10 pound weights. You ever feel that? It's not the big one. It's just the little one. And, and added up or, or by themselves, it's not five and 10 pounds is not a whole lot, but you start adding it up. And, and so you're busy. And then some sickness or virus comes along and then a pipe breaks, and then an unexpected bill comes due. And one of those things in and of themselves isn't so bad, but then you put them all together and it's 45 pounds, right? And it just, it starts to feel like too much. So the weight of, of life, another weight that I think we often feel and people often feel, I, I would just term as the weight of religion. And let me clarify just a little bit if I can. I'm talking about the legalistic aspect of religion. And, and so you see this problem in the book of Hebrews. You see it in Galatians. You see it really throughout the, the New Testament where you have these Christians that are trying to follow Jesus and they have the weight of, of Judaism, of this legalistic, or, or well, the religious system, some of the leaders made it legalistic. That they've got this place on them. And so they're trying to run the race. They're trying to follow Jesus, but they also have the pressure and the expectations from other people. They've got these traditions that they're expected to keep, and it's just overwhelming. In fact, Jesus describes the, the religious leaders who are putting these weights on the people in Matthew chapter 23. He says uh, of them, he says, they, the religious leaders, tie up heavy, cumbersome loads. Again, this that image of, of weight, right? They tie up these heavy, cumbersome loads and they put it on other people's shoulders. They crush them with these unbearable religious demands, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. It's just adding more weight. And, and for some of you, maybe that's been your church experience. You know, maybe the, the preacher or the pastor or the priest or whoever, every week is just another weight. And you're trying, and instead of getting a hand to help, you get a, a pointed finger at you. And you get more weight added. And so maybe, maybe for some of you, that's been your religious experience. And, and you, you want to have faith, but it's just overwhelming, and you were failing anyway. And then the weight of the guilt and the shame, it's just too much. A third common hindrance, I, I think, and I just really quickly talk about this, just the weight of the past. Just the, the weight of the past. Far too often for a lot of us, the, the weight of the past, either what we've done or what someone else has done to us or what's been done to us, just constantly holding us back, weighing us down. We can't seem to get past 
our past. Maybe it's something we did a long time ago. Some of you may be sitting here this morning. It's something you did a long time ago and you've asked God for forgiveness. God's forgiven you, but you can't forgive yourself. And you're just, wait. Or maybe it's something somebody else did to you and every time you see that person or you think about that situation, it's just a reminder and the weight just keeps getting put back on. Just the weight of the past is just weighing on our shoulders. And so we got these things that, that can hinder us and, and hold us back. And I just mentioned a few of them, but there are others as well. These things that, that we've got to throw off. Hebrew writer says, throw them off. They're, they're not helping you run the race. Some of you are holding on to these weights and, and, and Jesus is saying, let go of the weights. They're not helping you fix your eyes on me. They're not helping you run the race. And so you need to set them aside and push them away. But then the Hebrew writer also gives us another category of things that, that we need to push away, that we need to set aside and, and push away, throw away. And that is the sin that entangles, or as the Hebrew writer says, that easily Entangles. I want to break this down into a couple of different sections because there's some talk about, is he talking about a, a specific sin or just general stuff? And so I want to talk about both a little bit this morning. And the first, I, I would just kind of broadly describe as sin struggles. Like sin struggles can easily entangle us. And so, you know, it's these sins and temptations that that are different for each of us. Again, what, what hinders me may not hinder you and vice versa. And also what entangles me may not entangle you that we have. But whatever it is, it just keeps tripping us up. Whatever it is in your life, it keeps tripping you up. It may not trip me up, but it keeps tripping you up. And so the Hebrew writer says, you need to throw that stuff off. And you, you get an idea for how intensely we ought to resist these weights from what he says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse four. He says, in your struggle, in your struggle against sin, in your sin struggles, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. In other words, you're not bleeding yet. It, it's interesting to me how, maybe this is just me, I doubt it is, but how we, we change our parenting techniques from first child to second child. You ever notice that? Like, I, especially when you have a girl as the first child and you have a boy as the second child. Remember, when Maylee would fall, you know, it's like every little scrape or bruise, you know, is she okay? Is she? Cruz, it's like, is it broken? Is the bone protruding from your arm? Are you bleeding? You're good. Shake it off, rub some dirt on it. You're going to be fine, right? It's probably more pronounced with dads than it is with moms, you know, there's a little bit of that here. Like you, you're, Hebrew writer says, you're not bleeding yet. I mean, how, how, what, what am I going to do? You're supposed to bleed. Like that's the point to which we take it. Back in the game, keep, keep, keep pressing on, keep resisting sin. Maybe we can talk about it when you're bleeding, but you're not bleeding yet. And so that's just the intensity with which we are to, to resist sin. And yet I, I wonder if, if that's, that's not really our outlook on things. I got a little scrape when I was trying to resist some sin. That's too much. You know, it really flies in the face because in today's culture, you know, our tendency is to just go along with it. 
And we say, well, tell me if you've heard this one before. That's just the way I was made. And I was just born that way. And God, you made me with these desires. You made me with, the, with these impulses. It's not my fault. The world we live in, we're surrounded by it. What am I supposed to do? And the Hebrew writer would say, you're supposed to bleed. That's, how, that's the extent to which you and I are to resist the sin in our lives. Because sin will slow you on this race. It'll separate you. It will separate you from God and then blame God for the separation. That's what sin does. Sin will build a wall between you and God and then tell you that God is the one who built the wall so that your heart becomes hard. And you may tell yourself, down the road, I'll get things right. You know, down the road, I'll resist sin. Down the road, I'll get right with God. But the problem is that sin builds a wall so that down the road, you don't, you don't want to. And your heart is hard and sin separates you from God. Some of you know what that's like because you, again, there's no progress. You're still the same person making the same choices that you were six months ago, a year ago, five years ago. And I think for many of us, and look, I, I've had seasons in my life too. I'm not trying to point the finger at you because there's, what does it say? You know, when you point the finger, there's three pointing back or however many fingers you got pointing back at you. I've been through seasons like this where I'm not ready to repent of something. I'm not ready to confess some things. I'm, I'm not ready to throw them off. And you can try and ignore and avoid that, that conviction that God puts on your heart and on your mind. And, and you can try and avoid places like this and being around other Christians because you just don't want to deal with it. And you can blame God and, and make excuses for why things are the way they are. You can even try to pretend like everything's okay, even though it's not okay. And some of you may be doing that this morning. But if you don't deal with it, if you don't throw it off, little by little, it's going to weigh you down and eventually it, it will crush you. I, I think about what David talks about in Psalm 32. He's carrying the weight of um, of his sin with Bathsheba, of his affair with Bathsheba. And listen to what he says. Listen to the language he uses. He says, when I kept silent, in other, you know, in other words, yeah, get that out of my mouth. In other words, before I let go of my guilt, before I repented and confessed, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Some of you are feeling that way and you're wondering, why do I feel so burdened? And part of that's God puts that on your heart and your mind. And, and David just describes what it's like to try and run the race. Some of you are trying to do that, run the race, weighed down and exhausted by shame and guilt and sin. And so you've got these general sin struggles that, that are different for all of us, but they end up entangling us and weighing us down. But, but I also think there's a more specific aspect of this sin that so easily entangles. And um, when you think about the context of Hebrews chapter 12, you kind of, Peel back to Hebrews chapter 11. I think that the sin that the Hebrew writer is talking about, a specific sin that he may be talking about here, is just the sin of unbelief. 
I think the sin of unbelief easily entangles. Now, we don't often think of that as a sin, right? At least not one of the big ones, because the big ones are really bad. The other ones you can kind of get away with a little bit, right? But the sin of unbelief, of, of not having faith, of not believing that God is who he says he is and, and that he will do what he says he will do. And, and it's the sin that, that so much of the weight is kind of, that we carry is rooted in. And I almost think of it like the bar that the weights get put on. And so let me see if I can just unpack that for just a few moments this morning. Sin of unbelief, then suddenly the weight and the pressure and the stress of life becomes so much more overwhelming. If I'm, if I'm not truly buying into this whole Jesus thing, then, then those, the weight of life just weighs heavier because I'm faced with some uncertainties in the future that might stop me in my tracks. I'm not sure really how it's all gonna work out, what's gonna happen next. But if I have faith, if I believe and have faith, as Hebrews chapter 11, verse one talks about, if I'm sure of something that even if I can't see it, I can still have faith in it, then instead of that pressure overwhelming me, I I can set it aside. I I can push it out of the way and I can move forward and keep running the race. And so just to give you a couple examples, you think about Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham, hero of the faith. God comes to him and he says, you know, I want you to, I want you to move. And Abraham's like, okay, where am I moving to? And God's like, well, I'm not going to tell you, but the U-Haul's in the driveway. Just get packed up and get ready to go. I mean, that's stressful. And some of you have been through a move or are going through a move recently. Just moving where you know where you're going is stressful. You want to add some stress to your, no, that's probably a dumb question. Do you want to add stress to your marriage? If you did want to, for some odd reason, want to add stress for your marriage, just try this one out, right? Honey, we're moving. Oh yeah, where are we moving to? I'm not really sure, but we're moving. Yeah. And and yet for Abraham, it, it, I can set it aside. I can push it out of the way. Now, please don't don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy. There's a difference between being simple and easy. But it can be done. It can be done. Or you you look at Moses' parents. We read about them in Hebrews chapter 11 as well. You just imagine, imagine the stress of fearing for your child's life and knowing that so much of it is out of con- your control. For some of you, you don't have to imagine that because you're living that. That you have no control. Your, your child's life is out of your control. And so they don't know what to do. But they take their baby boy, they lay him in a, in a basket and they put him in a river. That's like, that's stressful but they had faith that God is who he says he was and that he is faithful. And so the pressure and the stress didn't weigh them down. They could set it aside and keep moving forward. Think about it in terms of religion. Without faith, religion becomes a burden. It becomes a weight because I'm wrapped up in trying to earn it. I'm wrapped up in trying to deserve it and trying to be good enough. I'm worried about what you think about me or what other people are saying about me. But if, I'm, if my confidence is in Jesus Christ, 
and, and, and what he thinks of me and who he says that I am in him, then I'm free to run. If my confidence is in him, I don't feel the weight of religious traditions and expectations. I'm, I'm following Jesus, right? One of my favorite passages is in Matthew chapter 11. And you probably know it very well. And um, verses 28 through 30 talks about my yoke is easy, my burden is light. I'm not gonna read the NIV version. I love what the message translation version how it puts it. That's when I'm going to read it to you because I just, I love how it says it. Um, it says this, it says, are you tired? Are you worn out? You burned out on religion? Jesus says, come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. I love this part. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus is saying, I'm better than religion, in case you were wondering. I'm better than your best. I'm better than your efforts. I'm better than your record of rights and wrongs. Put your hope in me. I'm not gonna put anything, I love the way it says, I'm not gonna put anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. You're gonna be just perfectly suited for what I have called you. And I'll give you the strength to run the race that I've called you to run. Or, or think about when it comes to our past and dealing with our past or dealing with our current sin struggles. So often the weight that we carry around is rooted in the sin of unbelief. And so I don't believe, I don't fully believe, I'll say it, but I don't fully believe that Jesus, that his sacrifice is sufficient for my sins. I mean, I know that's what I'm supposed to say in church, but I don't really believe that. That, 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 that he is sufficient to save me, that Jesus is better than my sin. If I asked you that if Jesus is better than your sin, I would be shocked and appalled if pretty much every single one of you, unless you're just not quite sure yet, would say yes, but do we live that? Do we truly believe that? Because if I believe that Jesus is better, then sin would lose a lot of its power. And the power of sin is that I'm looking to something or someone else to give me satisfaction, to give me purpose, to give me pleasure, to give my life meaning. But if I understand that Jesus is better, then, then that, that reorients a lot of things. Sin loses its grip. The power of sin is, is that it gives shame and guilt that just weighs us down. But if Jesus is better then my sin and my shame and my guilt, I'm, I'm free to run. I love what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19. It says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter, I love that, confidence, courage. We, we, it's boldness. It's not always comfort we need. We have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us hold unswervingly. Again, that is courage language. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed for he who promised is faithful because he who promised is better that's just the last 
notes. Jesus is better. I, I thought about what do I put this in because I've kind of talked about it all, all morning, but I, you know, you, you may write that into your notes. The question is, do you believe that? Do you believe those three words? Because a lot of times that's what it comes down to. If you don't believe that, then you'll walk out of here with the same weight that you walked in here with. Because you say, it's just, I got to bear this burden. It's my past, or it's this, or it's that. Or do you believe that Jesus is better? Better than your shame and your sin and your guilt, better than your past, better than religion, better than the pressures of this life, that Jesus is just better. Do you believe that? I do. I do. I believe that Jesus is better than anything you can buy. I believe that Jesus is better than any website you can visit. I believe that Jesus is better than any relationship you can be in. I believe that he's better than any house you can build or any car you can drive. I believe Jesus is better than any vacation you can go on. I believe Jesus is better than any biopsy or test result that you're waiting to get. I believe that Jesus is better than any financial problems you're struggling with. I believe Jesus is better than your friends on Facebook, however many you have, or however many lives likes you get on Instagram. I believe Jesus is better than being popular or getting the promotion that you keep pursuing. I believe Jesus is better than anything you can smoke or drink or shoot up or take. I believe Jesus is better than any politician, any entertainer, any athlete. I believe Jesus is better than life. I believe Jesus is better than death. I believe Jesus is just better. So fix your eyes on him and run the race. And don't give up.